Hello and welcome to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource them towards growth. If you are interested in finding out about any of our initiatives, you can visit our website www.geniusproject.co or come and follow us on Instagram genius underscore project underscore daily or you can also subscribe to The Genius Project YouTube channel. Ladies, we are opening the doors to another intake for the Catholic Women's Masterclass. In this masterclass, we walk women through a four-month journey of transformation where we teach you four key rhythms of renewal that will really set you up and see you flourish in life. So if you are a woman who is stuck in old and negative destructive patterns or ways of thinking, if you've been through burnout and you are in a state of overwhelm and exhaustion, if chaos has become the norm in your life, then I would love to invite you to join us. In this masterclass, we will look at establishing four rhythms that will see you living a life of wholeness in Christ. The masterclass involves nine video modules in which you'll have a workbook that you can work through each week for these modules. Then once a fortnight, the whole cohort comes together in a group coaching call on Zoom and I walk you through this session where we really look at how to practically apply what you've been learning to your life and we sort of strategize around those problem areas and the areas that you might be feeling stuck in. So once again, if you'd like to find out about that and join us in this next cohort, you can find information on the Masterclass page of our website, www.geniusproject.co. Well, ladies, I have a wonderful guest joining me on today's episode of the Genius Podcast. Her name is Claudine Knoll, and she heads up the Feminine Genius Coaching. She is a physician, and she does this coaching on the side, and I'll let her explain a little bit more about her background and how she came to be doing this work. But in this conversation, we talk about the role that trauma and old wounds have on us in our life and how they can really keep us contained and hold us back, but not just what they do, but how how we can heal and how we can walk into freedom and the abundance that God actually calls us into. So ladies, I hope and pray that this conversation with Claudine is a blessing. Well, Claudine, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's delightful to have you joining us all the way from New York City. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here tonight. Yeah, well, it's great. You and I share such a passion for John Paul II's feminine genius and really serving and helping women, I guess, grow into the fullness of who God's created them to be in his image and likeness, particularly as women. And and we'll dive into that in just a moment. But I messaged you recently on Instagram. We've been chasing each other on Instagram (laughs) about doing this podcast interview. And it was funny, I was trying to copy your email from Instagram over into my email (laughs) And all of a sudden, I sent you the angry emoji. (laughs) (laughs) We'd never actually spoken. I was like, oh, no. And I messaged you and you sent a beautiful voicemail back. But um, I will share a funny story with you because I do have a very bad reputation. And one day I was actually messaging um, a male colleague who we were working on a project with. And um, it was quite funny. I was just texting and all of a sudden the angry poo emoji sent to him. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's like, oh my goodness. And then a few minutes later, I was writing, I'm so sorry, that was a mistake. And then the love heart <laughs> shark emoji sent. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, the autocorrect. I yeah. know. I was so embarrassed. Um, but I, yes. <laughs> so when that angry one 
went to you, I thought I better clarify. <laughs> yeah, mad. I saw it and I was like, huh, you know, because I saw the alert on my phone. I was like, oh, that's unusual. <laughs> and then I immediately saw the other the other message like oh my gosh I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> so, so funny isn't it so uh, that's been our grand introduction to each other but I have been following you on Instagram for quite a while and I know that you attended the given forum last year and and you have such a passion yeah. around I guess really supporting and serving women and you do it so beautifully as well and I'd love to Thank hear you. a little bit about I guess your background just where you live and vocationally before we dive into today's episode yeah, sure. Well, again, thank you so much for, for having me. So um, my background is I actually work in medicine. I'm a physician. Um, so that's what I do during the day. Um, and then in 2020, I just decided to start this coaching practice uh, for Catholic women. And it really has evolved and, and grown and, and changed over the years. And um, for a period, it kind of went a little bit dormant. And, you know, of course, Sometimes when things seem dormant, you know, the Holy Spirit is very actively moving behind the scenes. And, you know, suddenly, like last, uh, I was towards the end of July, actually, I just had this sort of fire, you know, that kind of came upon me to to sort of go in a, in a direction more in the area of healing um, and in the area of really healing our heart wounds and traumas. And, you know, my background, what really brought me into to coaching, I hired my first life coach about 10 years ago, actually, was wanting to heal, needing to heal. And I believe that, you know, it's our faith that really is like the catalyst for, for all of these things. You know, I joined the church in 2012, and then I hired my first life coach in 2013. And I really think that was just uh, the journey that mm -hmm. that God was inviting me on. And I like to say I've just been sort of picking up these divine breadcrumbs. I'm just I'm just following the crumbs, you know, down the path. And um, yeah, so that's kind of me in a nutshell and uh, how I'm doing this work that I'm doing yeah, today. That's amazing. And I guess that would kind of dovetail into your work as a physician because you're obviously healing people physically through medicine. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes I, I look back and it I kind of think, wow, how did all this sort of fit so neatly together? Um, and then, of course, it's like there's no coincidences. You know, God, of course, knew where all of this was going to go in the future. But I started my medical career uh, doing obstetrics um, and gynecology. Yeah, that was where I started my training for two years. Um, and then I changed fields um, into occupational medicine and then now also doing lifestyle medicine and now I'm talking about a lot about burnout and nervous system regulation and heart healing and heart wounds and all these things. And I'm working with Catholic women. So it's, it's, it all sort of in Beautiful. a weird way, just, it all just makes sense. <laughs> yes. And isn't it amazing when we look back over our life, sometimes in the moment we feel like we might be aimless or we're not quite sure. Mm -hmm. We want to know what our calling is. But often when we get down the track, we can look back and see how God strategically has positioned us and opened yeah. opportunities. And, and like you said, divine breadcrumbs that he just leaves. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. And I think that's definitely been a theme for, for my life. Um, mm. is to really just to trust in that that process um, that we only have a little bit of the, you know, the the view in front of us. We can only see so far um, and there, we just have to trust that 
that he's not going to abandon us. <laughs> you know, he's going to, he's not going to lead us into um, a situation that he's not going to give us grace for. Absolutely. Yes, that's so true, isn't it? Sometimes we get frustrated, but we do have to trust he's got his hand on our life. Yeah, now, you, you mentioned that you started going to church in 2012. So had you not grown up in the faith, you, you came to a conversion later in life? So I was raised um, Protestant and actually church was a very big part of our lives. So it, it's interesting. I you know, how you would say someone is like devoutly Catholic. I would say we were very devoutly, you know, Protestant. So it was a Sunday, every, you know, church on Sundays, Sunday school, yeah. you know, we did Sunday, uh, excuse me, church during the week, like Bible studies and youth nights and <laughs> vacation Bible school. So everything. I, very, yeah. So I'm very grateful. I feel like that the formation that I received, um, even though it wasn't Catholic, it was very, it was very solid in the Christian faith and, yes. you know, learning all about the Bible and all those beautiful stories from the Bible. And then we went to Catholic school. So my mom made the decision to send us to Catholic school because she didn't want us to be in the public school system. Um, at the time, you know, where I'm from in DC was kind of dangerous at that time. So she really wanted us to get a good education, but also in a safe environment that had Jesus, you know, uh, involved as well. And so I like to think, again, nothing is a coincidence. And uh, all those times that I went to mass and I wasn't receiving communion, but God was seeing me and, uh, you know, maybe had his eye on me and knew that one day, <laughs> one day I would be, you know, all his in, um, in becoming a member of the church. So so yeah, I converted uh, officially in, in 20, 2012. What a journey. Wow. Yes. And how did your family receive that? Were they supportive? No, they really weren't. Um, and even now, it's not that they are, you know, there's no animosity, but they don't understand. Sure. Um, because no one in the family was was Catholic. I mean, I had looked at old records uh, from the past, and there were some members who belonged to the Anglican Church. I guess that's you know closer to Catholicism, but we were raised Pentecostal, so it's very very different. Um, so I was alone. You know, I was at my baptism alone, except for the you know the woman who sponsored me, and uh, it was it was hard. It was hard, but you know, I made that choice because I really felt that's what. God was calling me to. Mm -hmm. And I never regretted it. I never, you know, felt like I made the wrong decision or anything like that. And there have been times when my my family has accompanied me to mass. So, you know, I pray for them and who yes. knows, God wow. can work miracles. <laughs> what a fantastic journey. And so what actually led you to doing the coaching with women? So you're a physician, but then that's mm -hmm. a big jump. So what sort of was that trigger, that, that invitation, that pulled you in that direction? Yeah, I think for a lot of people who end up going into coaching, it's that we have an experience of coaching that is transformational. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got into uh, personal development and coaching when, you know, there were some things in my life I wasn't really happy about. Um, there were some things from my past, my childhood that I knew I didn't have as much of the awareness as I have now, but I knew something was, wasn't quite right with my interactions with people and, you know, how I was showing up in my life and how I wanted to be, et cetera. And so that was really what got me into, into coaching was just this desire to sort of work on myself and become this better version of myself. And I was doing a lot of, you know, prayer and adoration and I was going on multiple retreats a year and all of those things. And I really believe that laid the foundation for me then finding 
a coach and that first coach actually was Catholic. That didn't even register for me until fairly recently. Like, oh, she actually was a Catholic coach. Um, And then, yeah. And then from there, it was just like with coaching, you know, you have to find the right person and the right fit. And, you know, there's so many different programs and things out there. So it was just like this, again, just following the breadcrumbs, following the, the pathway of discovery. As I was growing and learning, I would see new things and like peel back layers and say, oh, that's a, that's a new thing that I, I really think I want to work on next. And eventually I was just like, I want to help everybody know this information because I didn't learn this growing up. And why don't we learn this in school? And so that's usually what happens. You just get this like fire to want to help other people improve and change and grow just like you did. And I think it's very important to understand that I'm still on my journey as, as we all will be until we get to heaven. Right. So it's not that you, you reach this level of perfection in, in this life, but you're constantly on that, that pathway of growth. So that's sort of what it was that led me to um, to hiring a coach and then doing a lot of training um, since then to to become a coach. Fantastic. And it's immensely satisfying, isn't it, doing the coaching? I find just being able to offer women what we've received, I, I feel that in my life as well, similar to yourself. Like I've been very blessed to have great coach, great spiritual directors, great women mentors over the years. And now it's such a privilege to be able to give that to other women because we don't know what we don't know. And and so many Mm -hmm. of the negative outcomes we are getting in our life is because we're lacking the skills to actually understand, I guess, how to understand our past and then how to be present in the present moment um, with what's happened to us. Because so much of who we become is shaped by our experiences in life. And I guess we tell ourselves a story. We don't realize that we're telling ourselves a story, Mm -hmm. even from a young age, like those thoughts and the patterns that we develop and that we might become aware of in adulthood have actually been shaped very early in our life. And that sort of becomes a narrative then by which we live, which drives the results and the the things that we're actually doing. You mentioned how you show up or how we don't show up in our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true that those um, early years, it actually, it, it goes back to the womb even we can pick things up from our mom and, you know, her experience and what she was going through when we were in the womb. And so, yeah, those first seven to nine years of life are absolutely formative and they shape the things that we believe today. And I'm always, you know, I'm always fascinated. I, I end up doing quite a bit of, uh, you know, like inner child work when I'm, when I'm working with uh, clients it usually is a memory or an experience of something that happened in the past. That's usually what comes up. It's that, that younger self that experienced a a heart wound or experienced some kind of trauma or, you know, a parent said something or someone else said something, or it happened in school or whatever it was. And those wounds, they run really deep because at that age, we don't have the ability to basically discern and say, well, that's not true, or that's a lie, or, you know, that's not what God says about me. Mm -hmm. And so children will just sort of take all of that on, or they make these wrong conclusions. And then suddenly that seed is planted and that is carried out through your life as an adult. So yeah, yeah, it runs runs deep. And you do a lot of work, particularly in this area of healing the heart wounds, I I had a look on your website, you you know, obviously you're healing the physical body, but we are this unity of body and soul as human persons created in God's image and likeness. And so what happens in the body affects our emotions. What happens in our emotions often ends up showing up in our physical health. 
And, Absolutely. And so you've really, I guess, you niched down to this area of the heart and the wounds that we sustain in life. Can you share a little bit about, I guess, what those wounds look like and how we can, I guess, often we avoid them, don't we? Because we're aware of the pain. We're wired to avoid pain, seek pleasure. But can you share a little bit about those wounds? I guess for women who maybe haven't done a lot of this work and this is an initial conversation or even for women who are advanced on this journey of sort of diving mm-hmm. into those wounds, can you help us understand that a little bit more? Yeah, so I use the word heart wounds um, and I'm essentially referring to trauma um, because not everybody resonates with the T word. Um, but essentially, if you're a human being, you probably experience some type of trauma in your life that's just part of our human condition and because of sin in the world um you know either our sins or someone else's so we've all experienced trauma and the, the way i usually describe it is um most of us won't experience those big t traumas you know like war or violence or you know assault or things like that but we've certainly experienced those more quote unquote minor traumas so maybe being bullied or Uh, emotional neglect, you know, if your parents were working really hard, um, they didn't necessarily have time to come home and and hold you and ask you, how was your day? Um, It could be that one parent left or, you know, divorce happened or so many things. I mean, it, it, it really is anything that your body perceives as a trauma can be basically a trauma to you. So it can be very different things for different people. And so when when I use the word heart wounds, I'm really referring to something that happened to you in the past where that experience is still alive inside of you, even though the event is long over. So the event has long since passed, but for some reason, it, you are sort of frozen in time. A, a part of you is frozen in that moment in time. Usually it's that younger part. And that's the part that's alive inside of us that makes all kinds of decisions that are actually the exact opposite of what we want. So it could be that if you want to, um, you know, get a, a degree and, you know, there's a part of you that believes you were, you know, you were told maybe you're stupid or you're not smart enough. And that part feels like, oh, I, I, I guess I'm not smart enough to go for that degree. So I'm just going to do whatever it is that I can do, even though that's not the thing that I want to do. Right. So that part may actually hold you back from fulfilling your true purpose, because there's a part of you that believes that you're not smart enough to to get that that degree. I mean, that's just one example, but it's it's very clear to me now from just talking to so many um, so many women that we all have these sort of internal conflicts and these parts that are um, essentially created because of these heart wounds, almost like little fractures um, that happen inside of us. And then what we want to do in this healing work is first of all just to acknowledge that these parts are there. We've been stuffing these parts down, or you know just hiding them for so long because we don't want to look at them, but really acknowledging that they're there and then really trying to reintegrate them like back into wholeness and heal them so that these parts essentially quiet down. Sometimes they go away, but oftentimes it's that they just kind of quiet down. So, yeah. And and what would you say to somebody that just wants to avoid this sort of work? Because that's very strong in people. Like obviously none of us wants to dive in and do the hard work or the painful mm-hmm. work. But I often say to women that you, you're going to have to do the hard. You just have to choose which hard you're going to do because it's equally as hard to uh, keep avoiding. Yeah. And it, it's hard work to go into it. But what would you say to women who are sort of been dancing around the, the sides, they're aware of it in their 
peripheral vision, but they really are avoiding sort of dealing with and unpacking those. I think the first thing that I would recommend is to really just bring those wounds to Jesus, um, especially in just maybe in just adoration and even just kind of silently presenting them to him and just saying, you know, I know that there are these wounds that I'm carrying. I don't fully understand them or fully understand the extent of it, but I I know that based on how I feel, or I know that based on my interactions with other people, or I know that based on, you know, how I feel in my physical body or whatever it is. And just bring that to to Jesus because ultimately he is the one who can heal and transform us anyway. Um, So I'd say that's the first step, but you know, the reality is pain can be a, a big motivator. And sometimes, sometimes we just have to get to that rock bottom moment, so to speak, or to that place where it's just, like the pain, there's a quote that says the pain of, of staying the same is it becomes bigger than the pain of, of, of growth and of change. And sometimes that's what actually motivates us to move forward is we just can't, we can't be in that painful state anymore. So that can be motivating as well. But I think it's actually better, in my opinion, to be motivated by a goal or a dream or a vision or a mission that you feel called to because it's much it's going to be much easier to be walking towards something that you that you want than to be trying to running away from something that you don't want. So mm-hmm. even just that little shift of switching the focus to let me let me look at the future, the horizon that's in front of me instead of trying to run away from the the gremlins that are behind me. Sometimes even just making that shift can can inspire someone to move forward mm-hmm. um, on their journey. Yeah, beautiful. And um, tell me, I guess. People who you've talked about going before the Lord silently in adoration as an initial step. What are some of the other, I guess, steps that women can take in that initial journey? And what does that road of recovery and healing look like? I would say, I always say awareness is the first step. So just, you know, again, connecting with what is happening in the present moment. So is it that you're finding yourself triggered um, by the things that people say or the things that people do, or is it a certain certain trigger that keeps coming up again? Or is there a certain habit or something that you keep bringing to confession? That's often a good sign of, you know, something that you're either you know, doing to cope or you're having this reaction that you keep maybe falling into gossip or angry outbursts or whatever it is. Um, so just being aware of sort of what your your patterns are, um, patterns of maybe thinking, patterns of, you know, certain feelings, you know, we all have this sort of emotional set point that we kind of revolve around. So just noticing, are you someone who's kind of in that, um, that space of more negative, more pessimistic, more cynical? So noticing that, and also noticing like patterns of behavior. Um, and once you have that, then you have something to work with, because until you have that awareness, you're sort of just almost like you're just floating around in life and you think you actually think life is just happening to you. And that's a very powerless place to be when you feel like I'm almost like a victim or I don't, I'm not in control. This is just how it is, you know, and sometimes that can even plant these seeds of of mistrust with God because we're, we're thinking, well, none of this is in my control. And so we blame God and we think, oh, he's holding out on me or he's, you know, he's displeased with me, or maybe I'm not good enough or whatever it is. So really kind of understanding the role that we actually play in our, in our healing process as well. And then taking steps 
to heal. So that might mean working with a therapist. That might mean hiring a coach. That might mean working with a spiritual director. And to be honest, it might mean all of those things, you know, um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm never going to say one is, you know, better or worse than the other. Sometimes we need a multifaceted approach because all of those things are different and they're, you know, approaching the problem or the issues from a different lens, a different perspective, um, but they work beautifully together. The thing about heart wounds is it's, it's not impossible to heal heart wounds on your own, but part of what trauma does is it kind of isolates us. It makes us feel like we are the only one and we sort of like turn in on ourselves. And that's the thing about having someone who can walk that journey with you. Again, therapist, coach, spiritual director, it kind of brings you out of that feeling of isolation and shame because shame lives in the dark, but healing invites us actually into the light and having someone walk that path with you can in and of itself be incredibly um, powerful and healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good, Claudine. It's just, I think there's so many people who are living, they say, you know, lives of quiet desperation, but living yes. lives in pain, in shame, in silence, in isolation. And I think that's where the enemy loves to keep us because then we actually never begin that journey of healing. We never actually experience Christ's redemption, transformation in our life. But that is the purpose of why Jesus came to set us free yes. and to invite us into this beautiful fullness of life. Now, I, I think it's important to mention that fullness of life doesn't mean you step through that door of faith and then everything just disappears and there's a magic wand no. that makes it all better <laughs> because we are our stories. And I think you touched on this. It's learning to integrate that as a part of our story. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do people do that when they've been through, I guess, trauma or they've lived in shame? How do people, I guess, integrate that? Because quite often my experience has been trauma happens here and mm -hmm. it often defines a person. Then they start sort of walking in the spiritual life, but it feels like there's almost these two separate parts of who they are. And the idea of being a whole person in Christ is that integration of our stories. So can you shed some light, I guess, maybe on the journey of shame and unpacking mm -hmm. that and then how someone can journey towards wholeness out of that and integrate that into their story? Yeah. So this is actually where I think um, having a, you know, a somatic or um, embodiment approach can be very helpful in addition to doing like mindset work or, or talk therapy, because this is where you actually get into the body where a lot of the shame, the guilt, the anger, the frustration, whatever, that's actually where it's stored. It's not really a mental thing. Um, it's in the body. We feel shame in the body. We feel anger in the body. We have a physiological response to all of that stuff through, through the body. Disease comes in the body when we have all of these things um, stored. And so a lot of it is actually doing embodiment work to, to literally feel through those emotions so that they can release um, and heal. And again, we've never really been taught how to do that. And so we think that these emotions are just going to overcome us and overtake us. And so we try to back away from it or just kind of wall it off and not deal with it. And we know that that doesn't work. Um, eventually it, it's going to come out in some way, a habit, um, an angry outburst or, you know, whatever it is. And so what we want to do is actually just allow ourselves to, to, to be with that and to just, to just own it and to be honest about it. 
that's the beautiful thing about confession too, is that that's essentially what we're doing. We're saying, well, here is this, you know, this, the sin or this, whatever it is that I've, I've done. And we're bringing that again from the darkness, which is where Satan likes us to live into the light. And so, so Jesus can, can heal it. And then as you were asking the question, I was also thinking about how Jesus in his glorified body in heaven, he still retains his wounds, right? He, he still has his wounds, which I think is, is not insignificant because his salvation of all of us happened through those wounds, right? And so it's, it's saying something that he is still keeping these wounds almost as like marks of love um, and a perpetual reminder, you know, of, of how much he loved us. And I think if we had that same attitude about these wounded parts, instead of seeing them as bad or, or shameful or whatever, to just realize that, like you said, it's part of our story and it's, it, it, it happened, or, you know, there are things that we experience that's part of us and they don't define us. They just kind of make us the totality of who we are, but we know God has the power to transform those, um, those ashes into something beautiful. And so that that's kind of how I how I look at it. Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm just reminded of one of my favorite scriptures is in Isaiah, and I did see it on your website as well, Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, where it says, you know, do not call to mind the former things or ponder on the past, but behold, I do something new. Now it will spring forth. I will make a way in the desert and rivers away in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Mm. And, and again, Romans, you know, all things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And having walked with people who have been through trauma, trauma is not my specialty, um, mm. but, you know, obviously that comes up in mindset coaching for people and I refer them to, to get that extra work. But there's, there's a, I don't know whether it's Satan or what it is, but it's a mindset almost that says they can't heal, that this has mm. been this traumatic event was so bad and damaged them so deeply that they actually will never be able to walk out of that. And I think those two scriptures are so important just to embed ourselves in the truth and the promises of God in his word that he has come to bring life, to give us life to the full, to bring healing, restoration. Um, Can you speak into that mindset a little bit where people feel that, that something is so bad that even though they're doing this work, they, they feel like they're not making progress. Yeah. What So what I see, the way it, it tends to show up for my clients is they think that they're doing this work and that it means that they should never experience those negative emotions again, or they should never have a bad day again or, or react negatively again. And what I always say to them is I'm I'm not going to promise you that you'll never experience, you know, those those feelings or or have those reactions again. That's not even the goal, because the point is that if something happens that makes us upset, we should be upset. Right. Or if something happens that makes us frustrated, we should feel frustrated. It's it's about what we do with those emotions and how we conduct ourselves after we experience those emotions. We can go in two directions. We can either, you know, go in the the wrong, quote unquote, the wrong direction where we take it out on someone else or we, you know, numb ourselves out or we shut down, or we could take it in a healthier direction where we sit with it, pray with it, bring it to God, process it, and then ultimately, ultimately let it go. And so 
that's that's what I would say um, to my clients when they they sort of ask me about, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to experience that again. What I say to them is this work is really about expanding your capacity, um, your 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 flexibility, your resilience, if you will, to handle the ups and downs of life, because life will never be without challenges. Right. Jesus said you will have trouble. Right. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And so. We want to get to the point where we're very adaptable, where we can sort of ride the waves, so to speak, of the ups and downs of life and and go along with it and not let it pull us down or, you know, suck us down into the into the darkness. Because like you said, that's where Satan wants us. He wants us in the dark. He wants us hiding. He wants us even afraid to to look up and ask God for mercy. And um, Jesus is in the light. So that's where we've got to get back to is to that light. Yes. And and what would you say in terms of some of the practical things that women can do to walk into and to position themselves in that light? Because I really think, you know, there's that funny story about the man, you would have heard it on the, he's drowning, you know, (laughs) that one. And, and for those who haven't heard it, like this man's drowning, the town's flooding, so the town's flooding and he's going to drown, but you know, a helicopter comes and there's a boat and all these (laughs) rescue missions. And then he does drown. He goes to heaven. He's angry at God about why God didn't save him. And God said, well, I sent you a boat and a helicopter and a warning. And Uh I think sometimes we miss what God's actually sending us in terms of our rescue, we can miss that. Um, And we also forget that we actually have to make decisions and take action to cooperate with our own healing and restoration. We don't just sit back and expect God to abracadabra make it all better. Yes. What would you say in terms of some of the practical steps that women can actually take to position themselves in a state where they can heal and they can move forward and grow? I think the biggest, probably the biggest missing piece for so many of of us as women is we've been sort of socially conditioned um, in ways that prevent us from connecting with our our heart Mm. um, and with our feminine genius and our our God-given intuition. And I feel like that's really how God speaks to us is is through the heart, right? It's not necessarily through the mind. um, It's really through the heart. And so I'm very big on making time for silence, making time to pray and to really talk to God, but also to listen to God, listen to what he's, he might be saying to you. Because I find that he, at least for me, um, he's very subtle and speaks in very kind of quiet moments. Sometimes when I'm not even expecting, it might just be something that sort of, you know, drops in. But because I'm trying to cultivate that space where I'm in, in a position where I can hear him, that's that's been very important for me in my life. And so making time for silence, making time for space um, so that you can hear from him. And I think really being intentional about trying to reconnect with your feminine genius, reconnect with your emotions, reconnect with your your heart, um, because that's those are the things that the world has told us are you know weird or you know yes. they make us look crazy or weak. Or, it's weakness. weakness. Exactly. Yeah. It's a sign of weakness. If we're too emotional, it's like, no, that's our strength, our, our beautiful feminine hearts. That That's really where our strength is. And in scripture, we don't hear a lot about our lady, but 
a few times we heard her pondering in her heart, I think that's very significant that she was someone who was listening and she was listening to the voice of God and really marinating on things in her, in her heart. So really becoming more heart centered instead of mind centered, which is more of a masculine thing. You know, the logical sort of linear thinking is more of that masculine genius, but our, our feminine genius is really about heart and, and feelings and connection. So I think that's the biggest thing that we can do as women these days is really learn how to reconnect with our hearts and not be afraid. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I totally agree with you, Claudine. And I think the culture that we live in is this hustle culture that takes us out of ourselves. It it causes this disconnection from our heart, just the sheer Mm -hmm. pace of life, the role that technology plays. No one is bored. No one knows how to be bored anymore. (laughs) I've got three children and and they're like, I'm bored. I'm like, well, that's really good. (laughs) So. Because that's like it's in that boredom or in that space of nothingness that we we drop back down into ourselves and into our spirit where we finally Mm -hmm. can feel those feelings or explore, I guess, those channels in our heart. It's so important. And I think that you're right. I think as women, the culture, the role of technology, the pace just disconnects us and it's it's so important and I really encourage all women to just try and carve out some time, whether they've been through trauma or not. Yeah. Just that time for silence and solitude. I think, you know, the fact that we're Catholic and we have Sunday, we, we had a Sunday lunch yesterday with friends and we we're talking about the Sabbath and how we all actually practice rest on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, it was interesting just hearing from different families how they do that. I think that's really, really important. God gives us these rhythms. He knows we need this rest and the silence. He gives us a day of rest. I think that's always a great place to start is just to make sure we're really setting Sunday aside for that reset and connection. Yeah. And I love that you said that he's given us these rhythms because as women, we definitely have a a rhythm. We have a natural cycle. Mm -hmm. And again, it's something that we've either just been totally like disconnected from, or we didn't learn very much about it. But if we were paying more attention, we would notice there isn't a natural flow to how we do things. And there are times when we feel more energy and there are times when we need more rest. And even just making that small bit of um, of a shift to listen to those moments when you're naturally wanting rest to just allow yourself to rest. And when you have more energy, try to do more things during that period. Even just that small tweak can make a huge difference in our mm-hmm. in our energy level and in what we can get done without feeling so drained yes. all the time. And, and the other one, you say drain, but the other one's guilt too. That I think oh, yeah. a lot of women, we struggle with permission to oh, yeah. call it self-care. I, I don't know, but I would actually call it honoring ourselves. Yeah. You know, honoring the image of God within us. Can you speak into that guilt that women have and how we just, we really need to do a bit of work on that to dispel that? Yeah, the guilt is is pretty big. Um, Sometimes I find that women have been almost put into these roles at a very young age. So it could be that they had to be the responsible one or they had to be the caretaker um, or they had to basically do things that really they weren't supposed to do at that age. They had to take on these roles and they sort of have carried that through their lives to the point where they put themselves last or they kind of feel like they have to sacrifice and give everything to everyone. And look, of course, as Catholics, we are taught to, you know, give to other people and to love our neighbors and all of those things. But I also very strongly believe we can't give our best, our highest quality 
if we're completely tapped out, if we're completely drained. And so if we're giving and giving and giving to the point where there's nothing left for us, then we're probably actually not giving our, our highest and our best. And so I always believe in, you know, sort of making sure that we're taken care of, um, because I know that when I am, you know, rested and when I'm fed and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've had my silence, my silent time and my prayer time and all those things, then I have the energy that I need to go out and to do the things that God is asking me to do. And yeah. so we don't want to feel guilty about just doing the basic um, things that we, we need to do. Again, it's just part of our human nature. We all need social connection. We need, you know, physical activity. We need nourishing foods. We need, of course, spiritual time and faith, and we need to be nourishing our minds and our intellect as well. So yeah. we want to be making sure that we're doing all of those things every week. Yes. And I love that you say, you know, that saying, we can't give what we don't possess. And I think when we are still pouring out, pouring out, then we do get angry, short tempered, we harbor bitterness. And, you know, there's that beautiful scripture in Proverbs to guard your heart above all things, because out of it, all the issues of life will flow. And so we can get into this false notion of generosity and giving, but it's coming mm. from this really angry, resentful place. And that spills over. So that sort of going back to that importance of just creating solitude and silence so that our hearts can be filled so that we, out of the abundance of our heart, we can give. Yes, yes. And I think it's helpful to look at what is the thought, because I know you do mindset work too, but like what is the thought that is driving the action of me needing to give? Because if it's coming from, well, if I don't do it, they're going to think poorly of me or I have to do it or else, or, you know, if it's coming from that place. And like you said, it's not coming from the right That's spirit, right. the right motivation anyway. So, yeah. 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 It's so beautiful. Claudine, it's a great conversation. And can you, mm -hmm. I'm wondering just as we wrap up, have you got any books that you could recommend for women who are just sort of starting out on this journey or want to connect with themselves and their story a bit more? Can you recommend any good books? I'll recommend a book. Um, it's, it is by a secular author, but I think it's a good starting point. Um, and just kind of, since we were talking more about like the feminine genius and about our sort of natural cycle and, and, yes. and things like that, it's called Do Less uh, by Kate Northrup. And in the book, she's basically talking about some of the concepts that we were chatting about as well, just about how the way we we've been taught to work and to constantly be in the state of like production is, is actually not, it's not natural. You know, yes. there's no cycle in nature where it's constantly doing, you know, one thing 365 days of the year. So, yeah, so that would probably be a good, a good uh, starting resource. Sometimes yeah. I'll actually uh, gift that to clients. Uh, Beautiful. It's, it's a good, a good place to start. And another one that just came to mind was um, Dr. Bob Schultz as well with his work in terms of healing and the John Paul II Healing Centre is another area. If women are interested in connecting with you, where can they find you and, and your work? So my website is www.femininegeniuscoaching.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. Um, that's where I'm mostly active on social and media. And don't send her an angry emoji because she's really <laughs> lovely. <laughs> but yes, on Instagram. And what's your handle on Instagram? Yeah, it's Feminine Genius Coaching. Fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And and it really, you're very much a kindred spirit because obviously the Genius Project and the Genius Podcast mm. 
is really that play on the feminine genius as well. And that was my, I guess, what I specialized in at the John Paul II Institute when I did my master's there. And it's just so rich that I think when women actually get a revelation of God's beautiful design for us as women, Mm -hmm. and, and then when we can actually walk into that and accept our gifts and our qualities, then we have something to give. And, and that journey yes. of healing is so central to stepping into and living our feminine genius. Yeah, yeah. It's so powerful. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Well, Claudine, it's Thank just you. a joy to connect with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Such good content in that conversation. And ladies, I'd really love to encourage you that if there is anything there that resonates with you, and if you are feeling stuck in any of those areas that we've talked about, I really want to encourage you to bring that to Jesus and then to take some action. As we highlighted in our conversation today, you actually have to take action. As we highlighted in our conversation, we actually have to take action to be an active participant in our own recovery and our restoration. One of those pieces is coaching. And so I would like to invite you, if you are feeling stuck, to check out the Genius Project coaching programs for Catholic women. You can DM me on Instagram or you can send me an email to find out more, karen at geniusproject.co. The Catholic Women's Masterclass is also a wonderful resource to really help you. If anything has resonated with you in our conversation today, this masterclass really looks at how you can develop four key rhythms of renewal that will really set you up to flourish in life. So I would love to invite you to check out the masterclass on our website, geniusproject.co. And you can also send me an email if you have any questions. We do have payment plans for the masterclass, and I'd love to invite you to join me inside this next cohort. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week. God bless you. And I look forward to you joining me again on the podcast next week.